I said that I will upload a House of the Dragon review on Thursday, and you know what? I lied. I lied so hard. But here it is. House of the Dragon is over, and I'm not ready to be without it. When the series was announced, I didn't care very much, I'm not gonna lie, I had zero expectations, because first, I am still salty about Game of Thrones. That was an assassination, it was cold hard murder, it should be illegal. So the possibility to mess up House of the Dragon was there. I don't really care about Fire and Blood also, and this is the second reason. It is probably my least favorite publication, mostly because I was never the biggest fan of Targaryens. Not that I don't like them, but I don't really care for them. Literally, any other story is more interesting to me, and I still would love to see an adaptation of the Duncan Egg stories. But I cannot stress enough how happy I am, because the season was amazing. And to be honest, it should have been the first adaptation and not the main book series. Game of Thrones was very difficult to work in the first place, because every chapter is from a different POV. We learn about the characters because we see their thoughts, even if they don't talk. On screen, this is almost impossible to do. Far and Blood, on the other hand, has the right amount of information and space for creative liberty, because it was written by a historian around 100 years after the events. We don't know the inside jobs or the real characters, so they can do many things to keep everybody interested and entertained. First, I'm gonna talk about some stuff that I was not a fan of. Most of my problems with the series were technical, actually. Only two are about the storyline. First thing that I had a problem with was the color palettes, grading and correction. The lack of interesting colors in period and fantasy dramas is my villain origin story. I don't get what the problem is and everything has to be boring and muted. Even more bold colors like reds and greens were in a very smoking hues and not true and vibrant. In here, like in many other series and movies, they follow the technique where the coloring matches the energy of the characters and the events. And I don't like it. I am not a fan of this technique, I find it lazy. Having nature, people that aren't involved, and in general the environment around them being happy, vibrant and bright, while things are going to hell, it's much more effective. This is why Emma's death hits like a truck and it was very hard to watch. It was a sunny and bright day, everyone at the tournament was having fun and laughing, while she was in there ready to be sacrificed, afraid and in pain. On top of that, you are watching people laughing when knights were falling and were seriously hurt, or even dead. But Lena and Alicent were mortified. And this is why I think the color schemes in the first episode were the best in the series. Second problem was the lightning. We already have very muted colors, and on top of that they forgot to pay the light bills. Why is every outside scene so poorly lightened? I don't get it. Many of the events were taking place in summer and in spring, so why is everything grey and monotonous? The waters around the islands were shot in a light that made them look grey. Why? I don't understand. Driftmark has blue waters around it and it's actually very green. Why make it so depressing? Because people didn't have a good time there? Doesn't really matter to be honest, the weather doesn't have to match people's mood. They are not storm. The episode in Driftmark was hard to watch, like literally, I had to be in total darkness. I got PTSD from the long night, and it makes sense because the same person has credit for both of these episodes. And lastly, the light and the color grading makes the dragons look muddy and dirty with a very light touch of color. So far, we only have one or two scenes of the dragons that are in good light. The last technical thing that I didn't vibe with were some CGI's and green screens in the first episodes. They were funny more than anything, like the white font was PlayStation 2 level graphics, and Damon on characters in the Stepstones was a 60s James Bond green sphere. Green sphere? Green screen. 
but I don't care because it is obvious they work their talented asses off to make the dragons look amazing. The two plot things that made me raise my eyebrow were the Weirwood and the Dragon Tamers. Why is there a heart tree there? First, I find it very difficult to believe that the Andals didn't cut out a heart tree in the Kingswood, because we are told that Crownlands and Stormlands were hotspots for the Children of the Forest, and they wiped everything out, but after some thought I was like, you know what, maybe they kept it and people of the Faith will cut it down to show how against magic and extreme they are. Something similar to what is going uh, to happen with the Dragon Pit. But then Aegon's prophecy said that they have to kill the trees, and I'm so confused on why they have one in the Godswoods then. I hope it's going to be explained and that Aegon's prophecy was not whole because Viserys was interrupted. Now, about the Dragon Tamers, I just don't like the concept of people being able to straight up control dragons with commands when they don't have the bond. It is very difficult for people with dragon blood to control the dragon who they are bonded with, but these people with some valyrian and some sticks can. In the books, there were people with the dragons in the dragon pit, but I was expecting they were caretakers of some sort, like feeding and, and cleaning around, not teaching the kids how to control them. Pretty much this is it as far as criticism goes. I don't think I have anything else. Oh, the theme I would prefer if it was a different one or with a different arrangement, like in the scene where Rhaenyra rode on Cyrax in the first episode. And we could have a little bit more of Breakbones and Lionel instead of their crusty family member beating his meat with feet. No, this was traumatizing, even though it gave a very good characterization to Laris and Alicent. Now to the good stuff. First, I'm gonna say that makeup, styling, uh, costuming, and the sets, along with the dragons, are great. People worked a lot, and it shows. The cast was disgustingly talented, every single one of them, kids included. I love that all Targaryens are very attractive, but you cannot exclude incest. Meanwhile, the strong kids are normal teens chilling at the mall. Emma Darcy, Olivia Cook, and Paddy Considine are all spot-on and amazing actors. Fabian Frankel is also very good, I want to slap the crap out of him. Every time he's on my screen, both Millie Alcock and Emily Carey did a great job. All supporting characters are great. I am a sucker for Ma- Graham McTavish and Jefferson Hall, so it was a great surprise to see them. Helena, Aegon and Aemond are also amazingly casted. Aegon Mitchell is a really good actor. And Faya Saban is always in character, even when she's in the background. She's amazing, I really like her. All the Valarians were also casted to perfection. Reese Evans, of course, is great as always. Only, why is Otto and Kristen still look the same? Put some wrinkles on. Matt Smith does an amazing job as Damon, but his voice... Oh my god, his voice, especially in episode 10 with the song and the announcements. I don't know why, but his voice is hilarious to me. Damon, Viserys and Thailand have some of the funniest moments in the series. Damon's he can keep his tongue with that face and Thailand in ninth episode made me laugh my ass off. But nothing can beat Viserys' first talking scene. It was just a random cut of him saying, So I said to him, well you might be looking at the wrong end. And then he's laughing. It's so very on brand for Viserys, and random, and funny, and I love it. I think that the series did a good job at giving everyone flaws, and I don't believe they are taking a stand with the blacks, as many people say. Yes, Rhaenyra is portrayed in a better light than what historians have said, at least so far, and obviously she is much better than Aegon, but this is not that hard. But I don't think the blacks as a whole were written very favorably. Damon is still a horrible human being, 
He took his cops and killed I don't know how many people on the streets without proof in the first episode. He was thirsting over Rhaenyra since he was underage, he killed his wife and in general he did many atrocities. He killed Vaymond, and yes, Vaymond was out of line with his wording, but I can understand his problem, okay? He helped and served his house for so long and he had the right to be salty. Corlys also was backing up Daemon's shit from episode 1. He didn't support some pretty messed up stuff and care more about reputation than his family on many occasions. Also, for the people who know the whole story, yes, not the best person. Rhaenys killed half the small folk in the dragon pit. She didn't even think that maybe this is not the best choice. So I really cannot understand people that saying, oh, they made the blacks the good guys and greens the bad guys and this isn't how Martin writes. I am seriously worried with what you think is good. Also, we are in season one, blacks went batshit crazy after Lucerys died, so give it time. And no, not everything the blacks are going to do is justified, because small folk from all over Westeros paid for the family drama. And again, not all greens are presented as evil. Otto, Aegon, Laris and Kristen, yes, have zero redeeming qualities, I couldn't care less for them. I am waiting for the hour of the wolf and the ending of the relationships between their heads and the rest of them. But there are others that I can understand and even feel bad. Helena didn't have a choice for anything in her life. She was mocked by her brother and now husband, and knowing Aegon, she doesn't have a good time. Alison's situation, in my opinion, is sad more than anything. She wasn't in love with Viserys, but she did respect him and she was shocked when she learned people were already planning to give the throne to Aegon. The only reason she went with it, it is because she really believed Viserys wanted this. Rhaenyra was the one that cut her out when she married her dad, like she had a choice and it was her fault. She herself didn't want all that shit. A big reason why she and Rhaenyra fell out was Rhaenyra's reaction to the wedding. Rhaenyra grew up privileged and she was sure that others have a choice about everything like she had. But Alicent is a product of your time and place. Aemond is more complicated because he's still a teen and many of the choices he made and that will make in the future are messed up. That being said, I can understand him way more than Daemon, for example. Aemond is salty because people around him have everything he wants served on a golden platter, but he worked and tried for everything, even his dragon. I will not justify him in the fight where he lost his eye, he was older than the rest, he started the physical fight and became violent, and he would even commit murder if Lucerys didn't hurt him. Aemond was always underestimated and mocked when he was younger, and I can understand why he wanted to claim Vhagar, but I cannot justify his actions in the fight after that and many of his actions in general. I really believe that both Rhaenyra and Aegon are going to be very bad rulers for different reasons. Aegon because he's Aegon. He is a rapist, useless drunk, and has no idea how the world works, on the other hand, Rhaenyra has the same problem many Targaryens have. She is entitled, and this is a fact, let's not pretend that she isn't, but also she cares more about the prophecy than the job itself. Many Targaryens were so focused on that damn dream that they forgot the most important thing. To unite the kingdoms, you need to be good, smart, and care for your people, not how you or your line is going to be the hero and the savior. We can see that neither of them have the right motives. We are more on Rhaenyra's side, obviously, right now, because she was wronged and she isn't a sick piece of shit like Aegon. But I don't think she would make a good queen. The thing that I love the most in the series is obviously the lore. The season gave some hints that maybe the Maester conspiracy is truly a thing. We got the prophecy, we got two dreamers, Viserys and Helena. 
because Viserys saw the crowning of Aegon in the first episode, but he didn't interpret the dream correctly. Helena is much better at understanding the dreams, and that makes me sad because I think she knows about all the horrible things that will happen to her along with her death. We got some pretty interesting Valyrian chants that I would make an episode about, because they are a lot, but most importantly, we have more information about the dragons and how the bond works. Dragons have empathy, but they do what they think is the right thing, not th what the rider wants. To be able to control a dragon, you need to be able to control yourself more than anything. This is why they don't control the dragons in reality. This is something hinted from the first episode. Daemon was mad when Viserys told him to go to Runestone, but he tried to reclaim... To, uh, but he tried to remain as calm as possible and calm Karaxis down, because he was fussy and pissed. Also, I love how mean and evil Karaxis' face is. <laughs> it fits Daemon so good. In the scene when Rhaenyra was giving birth to Visenya, Cyrax looked like she was in pain too. In the dragon chasing scene, we got the final and biggest clue in my opinion that dragons do whatever they think is the best. Arax sensed that Lucerys was afraid and he started to feel uncomfortable too. They started to fly while there was a pretty bad storm and both the dragons and the rider were very inexperienced. On top of that, they have the behemoth of a dragon, Vhagar, behind them, with again an inexperienced rider. Arax and Lucerys shot themselves, obviously, so Arax threw fire to protect them. Aemond was pissed, even if he didn't want to kill him, he was pissed and salty, and he was chasing them with battle moves. So Vhagar was cool, okay, you want me to kill them, give me one second. The moment he completely lost control was the moment Arax opened fire, because I imagine Vhagar was more pissed than Aemond at that point. She couldn't reach Arax because he was smaller, faster and swifter, and on top of that, he spewed fire at her. She was like, what do you think you're doing, you shit? When I was killing Dornis, you weren't even an idea and you spit fire at me? And she went ballistic. Aemond, I think, was shocked and afraid more than sad. He killed a kid, he knew that this, is, this was it, he started the war. But also, imagine how scary it must be to not be able to control Vhagar. I would want to cry too. On top of that, I think Vhagar isn't in the best mental health after Lena's death. Cyrax felt the desperation and pain Rhaenyra was in during birth, so Vhagar was feeling Lena's terrible birth, and then she burned her. Vhagar hurt herself too along with Lena, but she did it because she knew what Lena wanted, it was the best choice, and this is kinda messed up. On a lighter note, the last thing I loved <laughs> were the memes. Oh my god, I live for the memes, they are as good as the series. Also, people are thirsting and fighting over Daemon and Aemond. Baby Monk had an extreme transformation, it's crazy, I get why people are losing their shit. The iPads, the scar, the hair, oh my god, hot. But some of you people need Jesus. You're scrolling and you see stuff like, oh, I want Aemond Sapphire Eye as an anal bead. I cannot. What even is you saying at this point? <laughs> now, the book will come out in 22 years and the next season in 2 years, so let's talk about the next season. I will try not to give many spoilers, but it's not very easy, so you are warned. I think we will begin with Jaceris visiting Daddy Cregan and the blood and cheese situation in King's Landing. Lucerys is dead, but Grand Maester Geradris isn't, so I think we will see the first treat to Sunfire. We will have the Clegane Ball we deserve with the Cargill Twins. We will see the Rook's Rest fight, and I don't know if I'm ready for this. We will have all the dragon seeds in Dragonstone trying to claim the dragons. 
And I believe we will end the season with the battle in the gallet because symbolisms, because parallels, because history repeats itself. Now about new dragons and characters, we already saw Vermithor, so Hugh Hammer will be for sure in the season. I am waiting for people to start fancasting Henry Cavill with white hair as Hugh. I swear I have seen a Henry Cavill fancast for 90% of the Song of Ice and Fire male characters. The only one I'm waiting for is Henry Cavill from Stardust as Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Daron and Tessarion will appear and please make Tessarion blue-blue, not muddy blue, I'm begging you. Oh my god, bars. Ulf with uh, Silverwing and Nettles with Shipstealer will also appear. I would love to have a glimpse of Cannibal and Grey Ghost, but I don't know if you will see them. Also, we probably will see Alin and Adam with sea smoke, and I am curious to see what is going on with their parenting. So yeah, pretty much this is it. I will make separate episodes about some things we saw because they are very interesting. I am very hyped to see season 2, I hope it's going to be even better than the first one. Leave your thoughts about the season, and thank you so much for listening to my House of the Dragon rambling. Bye!